the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds And the ink stains that are dried upon some line and That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory It keeps you ever gentle on my mind I think perverting fact patterns, perverting realities, and trying to demonize what people do you guys make it sound like this is cheaper than condoms. This is easier than condoms. So just go abort your babies. These are painful decisions for these women. These are things they live with for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I know, and they think about it. And they think about it in a way that you never will, Rick. So you're projecting all these emotions and sensibilities on ethics on people in a decision you'll never make. And Rick, let me just say, Rick, let me just say, it's not in your body. Christine, last word to you. Yes. Let's be clear here, Rick, with all of your distortions and horrible tales, I answered it numerous times. When a, when a woman gets pregnant, that is not a human being inside of her. It's part of her body, and this is about a woman having full agency and control of her body and making decisions about her body and what is part of her body with medical professionals. Wow. That was a mouthful, right? Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly, and I'm filing solo today. I'm my partner in crime, Carrie Waddell. Uh, she's out. We give her the you know Mother's Day weekend off. Happy Mother's Day for everyone. Wasn't that a happy Mother's Day greeting? That was that was earlier this week on you know Chris Cuomo's CNN nightly program. That was Christine Quinn. And if you didn't catch what she said, it, she made a comment. She said, "When a woman is pregnant." That is not a human being inside of her. And that, and that caused a lot of controversy during the week, you know. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, as we reflect on the Mother's Day weekend, this is our annual Mother's Day show, so to speak, that I think this issue will be on the platform in 2020. You know, with the states, you know, the, how many states now have approved the heartbeat law and, and you know, with the more conservative Supreme Court, I think a lot of people are thinking that this could become a big issue, and we'll see. Um, 
So let's see. So again, um, my name is Mark Donnelly. I'm president of the estate planning team, and the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 34 years. And we do it one family, one plan at a time. And over those 34 years, we certainly have helped a lot of clients find the peace of mind for the moms that they can either, if they're not retired yet, that they you know, have the confidence that they can retire when they're planning and maintain that lifestyle that they dreamed about having in retirement, whether that be uh, travel, whether it be retiring a little bit earlier than, you know, or at least, you know, not having to work forever. You know, that's a lot of the baby boomers dilemma. I hear that a lot saying, oh, I, Mark, I'm going to work forever, you know. And, and, you know, again, we always say that can give you a false sense of security. You know, if that's your plan that you just say, I'm going to work forever, you know, that, you know, you might not have a job forever, right? You, you know, health issues, uh, you know, economic issues, you know, no one's promising you a job forever. So we always say, you know, having the confidence to retire and we, you know, we want our clients only retiring once in their lifetime. Now, if they retire and they're bored stiff at home and they go back to work on an encore career, that's one thing, but we don't want them retiring and then realizing that financially they can't swing it. And because of that reason, they find themselves back on the job market. That's what we try to prevent through the planning. So um, we'll keep, uh, you know, keep uh, the moms in, in our minds today. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always call our home office number, 440-239-2090. We, uh, you can have a free consultation. Um, you know, we just, I want to thank everyone who came out to our class last week. We talked a lot about, um, a lot about the retirement planning issues and, and, and a lot of questions, you know, again, long-term care, the, you know, the month of May, we're kind of concentrating on the long-term care dilemma, right? And certainly at the class, we talked about the different potential solutions, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, what most of our clients want to know, Hey, can we, do we have enough, Mark? Can I self-insure the cost? Or how about the legal solution? That's what the elder care attorneys are working with the families and the vets and those types of things. How about long-term care insurance? How about the life insurance solution? You know, the hybrid solution. We talked about continuing care communities. You know, they're, they're popping up everywhere, right? But, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to get in one of those. Um, you know, they, you might not, you know, a lot, a lot of those are based on a single pre, like a, a pay-in, you know, that you might never get back. And it may be, you know, more than what you're thinking. Um, and today I'll talk about one of the possible solutions. And I don't know if it's a solution in and by itself, but it could be part of the, you know, solving the long-term care dilemma puzzle. And that's a reverse mortgage. And I mentioned that last week and, and I'll try to talk a little bit about reverse mortgages today. Um, let's see what else is going on. Um, busy, busy week. Uh, you tell me what's going on with the China trade war. I, I don't know. It seems like, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of mixed signals in the, uh, economic world these days. And certainly that's no exception. You know, you hear one day, you hear the talks are going well, an hour later, they're going bad. An hour later, they're back on, you know, I just don't know. But I do know this, if we do have a long extended trade war, it will hurt stocks, right? I mean, that, and that's that's the idea. You know, have you built your plan R, you know, you, you know your reserve plan? You know, are you preparing for that? 
Um, you know, you know, there's, you know, you have your cash reserve set up. I don't know when the next recession is going to happen. I don't know if I'm in the camp that believes that the federal reserves have figured it out and they're so smart and they know how to control the monetary policy so well that there'll never be another recession. I, I don't know if I'm in that camp. Um, what camp are you in? Do you think it could possibly happen in the next two, three years? Are you thinking it, uh, are you in the other camp that's saying it'll never happen again or maybe once every 25 years, which we don't have to worry about? Or are you thinking, no, it may, but it's still five or six years out? Depending on which camp you're in, you know, you might not want to ask your neighbor, but you can't ask your neighbor. There's not a lot of consensus out there, no, no, no matter who you ask or read. Um, but, you know, the idea is having the cash reserve is saying if that, do, if that economic downturn does happen, in the next two to three years, am I prepared for? It? Is my plan prepared for? It? Do I have a plan R? You know that that's you know I've got my base case running, everything's running fine, but I've got my plan R just in case things turn south. And that's the idea that you know you review your cash reserve and you review what out of pocket, um, you know, in other words, that gap that you're going to need to maintain your lifestyle. That's not coming in from fixed income. Now, of course, when you're working, that's your wages. But let's say you're in retirement, that's either your pension and or your Social Security. And the idea is if that's covering all your out-of-pocket expenses for the planned year or two years ahead, you know, then the gap is going to come from your nest egg, right? And so the question is, is that is there enough liquidity in your nest egg? So if, if we do have an economic downturn and you don't want to sell your stocks low, and lose the dividends and everything else. Do you have another source, a cash reserve that can that you can be a flexible and make a decision? And say I'm not going to sell my stocks low. I'm going to use my cash reserve. And then when we recover, when we get through this period of next, the next economic downturn, then I'll you know reestablish a plan. That's what good you know financial planning is all about. It's not trying to time it. I think it's difficult to time it. Um, Let's see, what's the latest scam call? So, uh, you know, Social Security, we just mentioned Social Security. Um, there's a rash of scam calls coming from Social Security. So, you know, remember we've talked in the show for years about the IRS scam calls. You know, when you get a very threatening call saying, you know, Mrs. Smith, you know, you need to be, you need to pay us, you know, you, you need to get your credit card out and give us the number. And, and because if you don't, we're coming over to arrest you. And I don't know how many millions of calls went out until the government finally, I think, caught the culprits that were doing that. But at the tune of, I think, 17 million uh, scammed off the, the uh, public who believed them and, and, and went through with the, 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 uh, the payments. But now the latest one, it's uh, coming from people who say they're from the Social Security Department. Okay. Um, in the shady world of government imposters, the Federal Trade Commission said in a report in April, the SSA scam, Social Security Administration scam, may be the new IRS scam. Okay, they're saying the IRS scam is still around. Okay, um, but you know the, the the next big thing is the Social Security. So people filed over seventy six thousand reports about Social Security imposters in the twelve months ending in March, with reported losses of nineteen million, according to the FTC. Uh, which investigates consumer fraud. About 36,000 of the complaints and about 6.7 million of those losses were reported in February and March. Um, okay, the typical loss uh, is around $1,500, the agency said. Um, okay, and, you know, how do you prevent this from happening? Well, in general, if you get an unsolicited phone call asking for detailed financial personal information, be suspicious. 
and don't share any information. Um, the SSA will not contact you out of the blue, the FTC said. Um, don't automatically trust the phone number on your caller ID screen. Okay. Um, the criminals are smart enough for that. You know, they can they can mask that, right? Um, the Inspector General of Social Security warned of fake calls that appeared on caller ID to be from the frauds uh, office frauds hotline. So, you know, they've, they've copied the hotline and you think it's from them. Um, this is a scam, they say. You know, OIG employees do not place outgoing calls from the fraud hotline. Okay. Um, so the best, you know, case, if you're not sure, you know what you should do? Hang up. Simple as that. Hang up. All right. Um, and report the and report it to the FTC or, you know, call back and, and, and make sure you're talking to someone at the Social Security Department. Um, while we're talking about Social Security, the other thing they, they advise that you do is that every once in a while you check those Social Security statements that are, you know, are, are tracking and re- reporting your wages, you know, that go into the, the credits, the Social Security that builds your you know, benefit. Now, in the olden days, we all used to get we all used to get those statements pretty regularly. But in in, a, in an effort to reduce costs for the taxpayer, the government's gotten away from sending those out to everybody. Um, and then more and more and more, they want you to go online and create a, your own you know identification number and security number, and so you could get the statements online you know as often as you wish. Um, so in 2000, anyone 25 and so in the year 2000, anyone 25 and over automatically received a mailed statement each year. Okay. Now only Americans over 60 who aren't yet receiving benefits and don't have online accounts get paper statements. Okay. Um, and they say if you're, you know, whether you're getting paper statements or you're checking online, make sure the numbers are right. Look it over. All right. Um, and they also say by checking every once in a while, that will ferret out if somebody has stolen your identity. Okay, so so there's some good information there. Um, all right, so you're listening to Mark Donnelly, and Carrie Waddell is off and doing Mother's Day things, so I hope she's having a good weekend with her family. How are you doing for moms out there? We'll talk a little bit about moms today. But before I talk about moms, let's talk a little bit about reverse mortgages. Because the other thing that we, you know, in April, and, and again, if, if, you, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with our show, um, every month this year we've been highlighting on a certain financial topic. All right. So as I said, this month, we're kind of highlighting on long term care and kind of throwing in weddings. And today, of course, is a little bit about Mother's Day. But um, last month, um, you know, we were talking a lot about the real estate, you know, the home buying and selling season. And that's where the kind of mortgages came up and financing arrangements, stuff like that. So I will follow up with that in the reverse mortgage today. Um, prior, you know, then prior to that, in, in March, we were doing March Madness. You know, where we were talking about the the tax return preparation, you know, <laughs> period and the new tax, you know, you know, the, you know, we had a new tax law in 2018 and everyone who was working with the new 1040 and and, and, all, the, and all that, you know, you know, conspiracies on, on the wall, the refunds are smaller. That must mean the tax law hurt us. And now that wasn't the case. Um, then going back prior to that, um, we were constantly, you know, we were talking in February, we were talking about Encore Career. So, you know, every month 
we we try to highlight, uh, you know, throughout the four weeks or the five weeks of the programs, you know, different topics. And you can always catch those on podcasts. So if you go to, you know, the, the, the uh, station's website, um, WHK1420, the answer, and go to their website, and you can do this even on your smartphone, and just click on, you know, wherever, you know, you're looking online, there will be a local podcast button, and click on that and find us. Uh, the name of the program is Financial Food for Thought, and there's a good backlog of programs. So what about reverse mortgages, good or bad? You know, I get that question a lot. They've been around for a long time. Um, I don't think they're real popular, you know, across the country, but they are certainly, you know, out there. And just like any other financial planning tool, it's not whether it's good or bad. I mean, it's not like stocks are good or bad or mutual funds are good or bad or ETFs are good or bad or annuities are good or bad or life insurance is good or bad or trusts are good or bad or wills are good or bad or I could go on and on and on. They're all tools in a toolbox. If they were, if if one of if any one of them was completely bad, why was it still in the toolbox? There'd be no use for it. So you know, don't. It's hard to say whether any one tool by itself is good or bad. Now you could say for any one of those tools, there's good and bad uses, and that you know certainly is is probably more the case. But you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about reverse mortgages. Um, you know, so I've heard over the years, oh, I heard you don't own your house anymore, Mark, you know, or uh, when you die, the house belongs to the bank or, you know, the mortgage lender or, you know, and no, not really. No more so than a forward mortgage. I mean, sure, you still own your house, even though you have a reverse mortgage on it. Um, there's a lien against it, obviously. And, you know, it, but you still have, I mean, <laughs> you still have to pay the property taxes, by the way, you still own it. Trust me. Um, and by the way, you, you have to be living in the house, you know, you can't have a reverse mortgage. So even if you haven't died, um, if, if you, anytime you exit the house, you know, the bank, you know, is going to call that reverse mortgage loan. So, you know, but there's some misconceptions about that. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, shun it because, you know, they've seen, you know, the Fonz, Henry Winkler doing the late night commercials for it. And th- that's true. You know, it, it, you don't you got to know what you're doing here. You know, a lot of times on the show we talk about coordinated advisors and the fact that if you're th- even thinking of a reverse mortgage, you better get your your advisors on the same page, get input from all of them. Um, because, it, you know, they are a little bit different and you have to understand them and you don't want to just have any, you know, one pull the wool over your eyes, right? You, you look at the pros and cons of every tool in the toolbox before you pick up and start using it. Um, but, you know, what are some of the things? Well, you know, again, it, it's, a, it's a government program, you know, that, that allows you, uh, if you're living in a home, and, you, and by the way, it's an age restriction, you have to be age 62, Okay. And it allows you to, you know, borrow money, you know, in the, based on the equity value of your house. And the idea, though, is that you don't have to pay back a mortgage payment like a typical forward mortgage. Right. Um, and actually, there's different ways you can get the money out. I mean, once you you know go through the process of the approval process and the and the lender says how much they would lend you, it's your choice. You know how you can take it out. You could you could you know, you could take it as a lump sum. You could um, say you want monthly pay- payments for the rest of your life, almost kind of like a pension, like a, another version of a self-pension. Or you could just set up a credit line, like a home line of credit, a credit line where you just use it as, as you need it. 
And as long as you're not needing it, it it's not accruing any more debt. Um, now, in either case, and you can use a combination of those, right? But in either case, the whole point is whatever cho- choose, whatever method you choose to get the money out, and, and you can use whatever you want for. It's not restricted on what you use the money for, by the way, right? Um, now, it may be, you know, if, if it to get approved, the, you know, the lender, you know, based on the, um, you know, the home inspection stuff may say, we're not going to loan, you know, we'll, we'll give you the reverse mortgage, you know, line of credit or, or money. But the first thing you got to do is fix the roof or fix, you know, and they're going to watch out for their interest. So they will say, you've got to make home improvements to, in order as part of the deal. If they're if if they're needed, um, but the idea is that you don't pay anything back, so that's why it, it's it's attractive is because if you are you know retired and and you need extra money and you're sitting on this you know you'll say there's no mortgage on your home and you plan on staying in your home for a while, why, you know you, why not borrow you know borrow some of that. And use it for what you need it for. And by the way, because you're borrowing, all right, it's not considered taxable income to you. Okay, so it's a free, it's a tax-free cash flow source, right? And and you don't make any payments back. It's just that the interest, the debt that you borrow, the the principal amount of the debt, and the interest accrues on it. So that when you die, or or I should say, when you exit the house, whether you sell the house or die, and, and your kids take care of the estate. Then the loan is called, right? Um, and this is where, you know, people, I think, are saying, well, that's what I mean, Mark. You don't own the house when you die or, you know, the house is, you know, well, no, that's not technically true. You still own the house, but there's a debt on it that has to be paid off. That is true. And and the, there are non-recourse type loans, if you, if you go with the government's version. And a non-recourse loan, meaning let's say that the house, the fair market value or the, you know, what it can sell for, let's say you die and, 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 you know, you got to get rid of the house to pay off the reverse mortgage. If the house can't sell for, you know, if it's below water, if it, if it you know, if the house is going to sell for below what the total outstanding balance of the reverse mortgage is, you don't, you know, the, the lender eats the difference. Okay. That's another attractive piece of it, right? So, you know, and that, and that depends on, now they're, you know, hopefully that's not the case, right? But, you know, we've had situations where, it, you know, a lot of homeowners, I mean, just look back in 2008 that they were underwater, you know, that the debt on the home was a lot higher than what they could sell the home for. Um, so in a reverse mortgage, you know, it's, you don't have, the kids don't have to worry about that being underwater. Um, they, now they're not going to get any proceeds out, but if it goes the other way, if the house is worth more than the outstanding reverse mortgage, okay, then the house is sold, the reverse mortgage is paid off, and the kids split the difference, right? Um, now, there's been a lot of, you know, I said it's, it's just another tool in the toolbox, and it's interesting because um, you could talk about uses of reverse mortgages all the way from the estate planning um, the, the high net worth estate planning all the way down to the long-term care planning. Um, it's been used in a very a variety of ways over the years. Um, for example, you know, at one time, you know, when, you know, the federal state tax exemption was only 600,000, not the, you know, 11.4 million today. Right. Um, and we had Ohio state tax, you know, Ohio, the Ohio state tax was repealed back in 2013. 
But you know, you could have a you know a, a wealthy family who with only a six hundred thousand dollar federal state tax exemption, and the fact they they may be in a million dollar home. Well, they're they're looking and saying, "Gee, this million dollar home, there's going to be fifty percent of it is going to have to be paid for estate taxes, and the kids are going to have to sell the house, uh, you know, because those estate taxes are due, you know, nine months after their date of death, and they're going to have to fire sale the house to get the money to pay the estate taxes on the house." So, you know, some some, you know, slick, you know, Wall Street tax attorneys would work with those families and say, hey, we got a better deal. Why don't you take a reverse mortgage on your million dollar home? All right. And then with the reverse mortgage proceeds, um, you know, now that creates a liability. Let's say you get 80 percent anyway. So let's say that, you know, the the reverse mortgage lender is going to give you eight hundred thousand dollars on your million dollar home that you could use. So those what these wealthy families would take that eight hundred thousand, and they they would shift it into a life insurance policy with you know a guaranteed death benefit outside the taxable estate that goes income tax free to the kids, right? So and also you now have a you know mortgage on that million dollar property because that's truly a mortgage. So at when you calculate your estate taxes, right? It's the you know you get you you know, your mortgages any debt you have reduces your taxable estate. So now instead of having a million dollar home subject to a 50 state tax, now there's only $200,000 of a home subject to a 50% estate tax because you have the $800,000 mortgage. But in the meantime, there's a, you know, a huge life insurance policy that's paid upon your death that's going to provide a tax-free income to your heirs. And, and, and by the way, how much can a you know, $800,000 uh, insurance premium buy for a guaranteed death benefit? I'll just give you a clue. It's huge. All right. Um, certainly a lot more than the, the net uh, $500,000 that the kids are going to get if it's left, the house is left inside the state. So, but we don't worry about that today anymore, of course, because the federal state tax exemption is $11.4 million, right? And couples get two of those, right? With the, with the um, you, know, convert, you know, the portability factor. So we're not in the same But I, what I see sometimes it's used today is some of those islets haven't paid out yet. In other words, some of the people that put islets, you know, irrevocable life insurance trusts in place as a federal state tax exposure, uh, redu- redu- reduced exposure, um, totally legal. You know, the, the, you know, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted. But now they don't necessarily are worried about estate tax exposure when they die because the exemption has gone so high, but they still have these life insurance policies out there that they still have to make the premiums. And if they just stop funding them, they're going to you know go away and, and they don't want that. So they have to continue to fund them. Now, maybe they're going to reduce them, but in either case, they don't want to just, you know, they've got so much involvement right now. But now it's a point where some of these elder people are saying, gee, I got to sell more of my stocks, pay taxes on it, lose the dividends, and then, you know, make the premium, the gift into the, you know, using the, you know, your, your, you know, gifting rules to get money into the islet to pay the premium. Well, so a lot of people said, I, I want to stop that roller coaster, you know, because I, I'm sick of just continuing to sell stocks, especially in a, if it's in a down market, I'm losing the dividends, I'm paying taxes when I sell them. You know, so instead of that, I'm going to do a reverse mortgage and I will just use a reverse mortgage to make the gift to the irrevocable trust that pays the premium. So, you know, different taxes in there. But, but how do you use it on a, um, a, on a long-term care um, well, you know, some people, you know, the idea is saying that, you know, I don't know if you're going to buy, for example, in the olden days when long-term care insurance was still a pretty 
uh, you know, affordable. It's it's getting less and less affordable as years go by. But at one time it was quite affordable. But even in those cases, sometimes we would have a client that that would you know we'd work with the bankers and they would get they want the long term care insurance. But again, that was a cash flow issue to make that premium every year. So they would say, hey, I, let's do a reverse mortgage, and then I'll just use if in any one year where I, I'm strapped for cash and I have to make the long term care insurance premium. I'm just going to, you know, use the home equity line, you know, the line of credit set up on my reverse mortgage, and that'll help me make the premium. Okay. Um, So that's been, you know, used before. But in today's world, you know, again, a lot of people don't have long-term care insurance, right? Next week, we'll be talking more about why the long-term care insurance industry is in such turmoil, right? And, and, you know, and, and, you know, has that, is that industry even going to survive? Some people are questioning today, but we'll talk more about that next week. But back to the idea that, you know, if, if you so the, the 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 more of the the spin on it today is, you know, the 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 elder person who is staying wants to stay in their home. You know, they have no intentions of selling it in their lifetime, but they're concerned if they need, you know, convalescent care or help in assisted living. So it's, and they know they can't afford to go in to move into the, you know, even if they sold their house or, you know, or maybe that's a couple, so they can't sell the house if one of them goes in. So the idea is, you know, there's these, you know, you know, and and they've looked at the continuing care retirement community, you know, those places where there's the big buy-in and then you go in as independent living and then you pick out an apartment. And then if your health deteriorates, you go to assist living, but those are very expensive and if they're not interested in that lifestyle, if they really rather just stay at home, the idea is, well, let's, you know, kind of use that continuing care retirement community idea, but without the walls. In other words, you, you stay in your home and then you you have somebody come in, you know, a, a, you know, a home health care person come into the home to help you with the daily living activities. OK, and maybe you don't need that person 24 seven. That would get expensive. But maybe just need somebody a few hours a day or a few days a week, you know, just to give some respite care to the other family members who are maybe, you know, doing a bigger part of the caring for you. And so in that case, um, you have to pay this person to come into the house. But that may be, you know, so some people are saying, well, that's what you could use a reverse mortgage for. Right. Because that you would, you know, that would give them. Um, you know, again, because the idea is saying, okay, now that I've, um, I have a way to pay for this when I don't have to sell my, you know, socks and my mutual funds or, or cash out my CDs because, you know, that creates taxes and it reduces the interest and the earnings ongoing. So it's that snowball effect. And instead I'll just use, I'm not planning on leaving my house anyways. So I'll just use a reverse mortgage and maybe that can afford, you know, help me afford to bring the home health care, you know, individual into, um, into my home. Um, you know, ARP studies still show that 90% of older adults want to remain in their home for as long as possible. Um, so there's a couple ideas that, um, you know, talking about reverse mortgages and why I say, you know, it's not the idea that it's, you know, good or bad. Um, it's just the idea that, um, you know, can it help you solve a problem that you're having? A financial problem. Um, now you could go one step further. Another spin on reverse mortgages is people who use it to to get into their dream retirement home. Okay, um, and this is you know, and, and you see this being um, talked about by the 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 
you know, the baby boomers, you know, retirement dreams, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the Arizona, you know, down in Florida, you know, the sunshine states, you know, or one of the income tax free states, you know, the idea that, you know, you want to get to one of these senior, you know, communities. Um, you could talk about the villages in Florida. You could talk about, you know, Jimmy Buffett's Latitude, Margaritaville, you know, any of them. And the idea is saying, well, you know, the place you want, you know, maybe costs 300000 but, you know, you're going to sell your current home, but that's not going to be enough to cover the $300,000 purchase price of the retirement dream home. So you could you have choices. You could say, well, I could take the you know what I'm short out of my IRA, but boy, that's going to be expensive. Um, you could say that, um, or maybe you don't even have you know you know that much, or if, even if it's in a non qualified a brokerage account, how much capital gains are you going to incur? And then plus, you're again, it's that concept that you're selling off your assets, so you're no longer going to get the income and dividends off those investments, right? So it's kind of like the double whammy. So what people are saying is, well, instead of, um, you know, you, so typically you would say, well, I'm going to mortgage what I can't afford. I'm going to get a mortgage for. But if you're trying to do this where you don't want that mortgage payment as your you know, as a retire when you're in your dream retirement home, then, you know, some of these real estate people are in these communities are saying just do a reverse mortgage. And the idea is, you know, you can, you know, and, and the reverse mortgage will actually reduce okay reduce the um the purchase price that you need so maybe you know if you're a $300,000 home maybe you know maybe that you know that that covers um uh, maybe the, the, you get 165,000 in a reverse mortgage you never plan on paying that back all right and then you, you know you're only you need to come up with 135,000 and maybe you can swing that maybe the, the the proceeds from your home plus a little bit of your nest egg can get you the balance. So now you're in your dream retirement home and yeah, the reverse mortgage is there, but you're not making any payments on it. So it's not a cash flow issue. And, you know, hopefully if you're picking one of these uh, hot retirement communities, the appreciation will certainly, you know, the kids may still get something in the end when you exit the the retirement dream home and the, and the debt has to be, the reverse mortgage has to be paid off. Oh, but I can hear the Dave Ramsey uh, followers out there right now. It's still dead, stupid. Yeah, I know. Everybody gets that. But, you know, I've talked about that before. My job as a financial planner is is not to scream at you to say that you should never use debt or mortgages. Um, I mean, I think that's your decision. All right. My job may be just be the idea that if you want to use debt, I just want to make sure that you can service the debt, that that doesn't become a financial problem for you. All right. So, um, you know, it, it, and, and I'm not saying that it, debt is right for everyone. There's certainly a lot of people that don't use any debt at all. And, and that's fine, too. You know, it, it's just, you know, what it's not, you know, it, it, everybody's solution isn't the same. All right. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so that, you know, that that's an, another thing too, you know, so, so the reverse mortgage, you know, can it help you in a state tax? If you're in that department, maybe can it help you buy your dream retirement home? Maybe can it help you with the long-term care dilemma? Maybe. Um, now it's interesting because we've talked other times too, that maybe the, uh, solution to the long-term care dilemma is the second home, the vacation home. 
Well, you say, well, Mark, how does that go? Well, you know, that's the idea that, you know, some people today where they're saying, okay, Mark, I could afford to pay, you know, a $10,000 long-term care insurance premium, maybe more depending on how much coverage you want. Um, Or I could, you know, probably sell, you know, know, I have enough I could buy into one of these continuing care communities. Um, but But maybe that's just not your lifestyle. Maybe that's not what you're looking for. And maybe that you know, maybe twenty years from now you would do that, but you're not really ready to do that right now. And same thing with long term care insurance. You say, Well, I'm not going into a nursing home today. I may be going in in twenty years, but you can't wait for the you know, nineteenth year to buy your long term care insurance, right? Because here you the insurability window is closing and it gets just gets too expensive the older you get. So the so the, the person who's twenty, twenty five years away from potential long term care stay says, I gotta make a decision right now. So which one which one of the possible solutions am I gonna choose? Which one's right for me? Right? Um and some people say, Well, if I choose the long term care insurance and I'm gonna be paying premiums, what if I never go in? Okay, because no one's planning on going in. I always, you know, tell people no one checks themselves in. It's not really your decision whether you wind up in a nursing home, right? It's always going to be somebody else's decision, either a spouse, a doctor, or a child, basically. Um, nobody checks themselves in, trust me. So, you know, the idea is, okay, I could be paying 20, 25 years of a long-term care insurance premium that's going up every year because they originally told us, you know, they weren't going to raise the premiums, but we, they, you know, we found out that wasn't the case and I may never go in. That's a big chunk of money. That's a big chunk of my nest egg. All right. So as opposed to that, you know, you have some people saying I would rather buy my, you know, vacation home in, you know, Margaritaville. Okay, and, you know, I'm going to, you know, it's kind of similar. You know, you've seen those stories about the person that says their solution to the nursing home is to book a, a lifelong cruise, right? <laughs> that they're, they're on the cruise ship and they see that there's a doctor there and they get free meals all day, you know, and it's that concept, right? I mean, you know, it, 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 the idea is saying, but that's kind of a, you know, tongue in cheek. I don't think you're, there are too many people that are really going to be able to book a, 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 a forever cruise and to take care of their long-term care dilemma. But it's an it's a it's a funny thought. It's a it's an interesting thought. But more so is what could be more realistic is the is that client who says I'm going to buy I'm going to take that money and I'm going to invest in a vacation property. So for the next twenty twenty five years, I get to enjoy it, okay, with my family, my grandkids, okay, and I and quite frankly, maybe you look as that real estate as an alternative investment to the stock market, right? And the idea is, okay, now, so that's the idea. And so now you're saying, you, you can you afford to keep two homes going? Let's say you keep your home up here in, in the north and you've got this vacation home in the south and you're doing the snowbird thing and you're, you know, get, you know, you're getting out of the, you know, you're becoming a Florida resident and you're getting the income tax-free Florida resident status, you're spending some time here. You know, and the idea is that when you get to be, you know, 85, 90 years old and now let's say you do need to go into a nursing home, Okay, well, you certainly don't need two properties anymore. And so if that's the case, you could sell one or the other. All the associated expenses of those real estates go away. Plus, you've got the proceeds to help pay for long-term care. Have you seen how some of these uh, hot you know, retirement spots are appreciating in value? Check it out. Um, so, you know, there's, there's various ways to attack the situation. Um, the question is, what is right for you? Um, and that's what we try to 
help, and that's what we've been helping moms and dads build custom financial plans for over 34 years. And this, we always say, you know, it's, this is your plan. I mean, you know, it's not your, you know, parents' plan. It's not your neighbor's plan. It's not your coworker's plan. You have to kind of, you know, look and say, what makes sense for me? Um, let's see. Okay, so let's see with Mother's Day. Um, all right. Well, I wish kind of Carrie was here because I, I was going to ask her what I need, what I need to buy uh, for Mother's Day. Right. Um, but you know, it. We're going to spend. The country will spend twenty-five billion this weekend on Mother's Day gifts. It's one of the most, you know costly or most, you know, we spend the most money on outside like Christmas probably um, as a holiday. Um, 25 billion. I think President Trump's going to spend about a quarter of that on his own. You know, he's got to keep Florida's happy for that next term. If you kind of know what I mean. Um, But what do moms want? Um, That's always a good question, right? Um, You know, I don't know. The, the, here's interesting. Here's, here was a, um, it's a millennial mom here. And she starts her, this is kind of a funny uh, story she wrote. She says, you know, I start, you know, I love my husband, but, but, but gift giving isn't his specialty. Um, he warned me before we got married, but I didn't believe him. Well, he wasn't lying. Um, his idea of gift giving is either to do nothing or go big. And when I say big, I'm talking expensive. Right? Um, so for one, she gives some examples. One year, I received an $800 compound bow. Mm, okay. Um, another year, an $1,800 camera. And another year, a $1,500 gun. Now, she says, and I'm not saying I don't appreciate the gifts, but I, you know, but <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't really what we needed. She goes, I would be happy with a new dress or two. Okay. Um, and she's saying, you know, I can, I can go out and find deals if I got the cash in my hand. All right. Um, and, you know, she said two years ago, I had a baby and chose to work part time, which meant a large decrease in my, you know, the income that I was bringing in. You know, at the same time, you know, me and my husband, we made a goal to pay off our home, which is our only remaining debt. Okay. This meant we had to tighten our budget a lot. Okay. So, you know, her point was, I, I, you know, it, yeah, she, she's now following the fire movement, right? <laughs> you know, last week I was talking about the 50-30-20 rule about, you know, if you've got a grad this season coming out of college and, you know, follow the 50-30-20 rule where you spend 50% of your money on mandatory living expenses, 30% on discretionary, and you save 20, you'll have a great retirement, right? If you want to go back, catch the podcast for that show last week. But the but also the fire movement, which is you know financial independent retire early, their plan is just basically fifty fifty. You cut out the thirty the thirty percent discretionary. You know, you spend fifty percent on living expenses and you save fifty percent, and that way you have a great retirement and you can retire at forty, not sixty or seventy. Right, um, lot lot on the fire movement right now. It's not saying it's easy, but, you know, she was kind of, this writer was kind of going to that, you know, um, you, you know, the first thing I recommend is that we cut gifts to each other. All right. Um, especially frivolous or exorbitant gifts, you know, just get, stop it. Okay. Um, you know, she said, you know, let's, or, you know, we have to set a smaller budget for holidays like Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, and she really said, you know what, why don't we just go out and buy our own gifts? 
Hmm, are you in that camp? All right. Um, so, you know, there is, you know, that idea of saying, you know, what is a, you know, you know, what do moms want? And, you know, and what do millennial moms want? You know, and, and again, does your, are you in business right now? And does your business depend on millennial mom's business? Okay. Um, it, you know, uh, you know, right now about one every five mothers is a millennial. Okay. They account for almost 90% of the 1.5 million new mothers in, in, you know, that was in 2017. Okay. Um, there's probably nine, 10 million strong right now. Um, 55, 55% of all millennial moms are included in all the purchase decisions. Okay. That's, that's, uh, compared to 39% for all other U S mothers. Okay. Um, more likely, you know, millennial moms are more likely to purchase the product that shares her social values or her own special needs. Okay. Um, Let's see. Social media is a big part of millennial moms. 97% said they had found social media helpful to their parenting, and 50% said they turned to social media at least once a day for parenting advice. Okay. All aware from, you know, all the way from swallowing techniques to product recommendations. So, you know, that's the, you know, so again, so if, if your business depends on millennial mom's business, are you marketing to them? You know, and that's one of the things that, you know, we continue to, to look at. All right, we got a few minutes left. So you're listening to Mark Donnelly. This is Financial Food for Thought and provided by the state planning team. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And what other issues you think could come up with the 2020 election next year dealing with mothers? Um... It's an interesting topic, right? You know, if the democratic socialists get in, you know, the, the what, you know, what are they promising the young millennials, right? They're talking about, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it costs a lot to raise a child these days, right? I think the recent, you know, 2019 figure for raising a child to 18 before college, even it's like $234,000. You have a few of those running around. That's expensive. Okay. Um, it's getting so expensive that the, the concept of a stay-at-home mom, I think, is becoming an economic impossibility. Okay. Um, there are studies out there that says, you know, if, if you do, even if you stay one year at home to, to start raising a child, it could cost you over your lifetime earnings, the mother, you know, $125,000. If you stayed five years at home until maybe the, your child's in kindergarten, it could be close to a half a million dollars that will be out of your buying power had you stayed working full time. You know, why do you think so many baby boomers go into retirement with debt? Because they had kids. All right. So what are the Democratic Socialists? They're saying, well, you know, we're going to help you. OK, we're going to have free college. OK, and and right now we, we want free paid parental leave. You know, let the employers, you know, make the employers pay for it. Um, how about, you know, how about uh, free health care? You know, Medicare for all. All right. Um, you know, I, how about free money? Hmm. Anyone can say UBI, universal basic income. You know, we have Andrew Yang, who's one of the uh, Democratic presidential candidates. He's a big proponent, right? He wants his plan is to give a thousand dollars a month 
to every 18-year-old and over, you know, for in the in the country. All right. Um, so as you can say, is that an impossibility? I don't know what's happening right now. Okay. Um, you know, there is a program right now. It's just getting started where mothers in four U.S. cities are being paid $4,000 a year as part of a national study on how regular infusions of cash affect the well-being of children, including how well their brains work and their behavior. And this is happening right now. Okay, some thousand low-income mothers in New York City, New Orleans, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Omaha, Nebraska will eventually be part of the study which seeks to examine the role of money in financial stress levels. This, this program's called Baby's First Years. It's, it's being funded by grants from both public and private uh, organizations. $15 million, okay? $7.8 million is a grant from the Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Child Health and Human Development. Okay. And what, what they're trying to answer the question is, does growing up poor harm brain development? All right. Okay. Um, so, you know, th- there's been, you know, research that suggested there's a connection between poverty and the people's brain function. But researchers in the study hope that their work will determine whether money has a, ca- a casual impact, you know, on children and families. Okay. Um Researchers theorize that the money could help buy things that are good for kids, like better child care and better housing. Okay. Um, okay, let's see. What else did they say? The money will be loaded onto a debit card every month on the same day, the child's birthday. Okay, the mothers can use the card at stores or to take out cash out of the ATMs. Okay, and then they're going to, researchers are going to study how they, how they spend it. There's going to be a control group, you know, so the, the control group's only going to get, like, you know, a couple hundred dollars and like 20 bucks a month. Okay, so the control group gets 20 bucks a month, but the, the ones really that are studying, they're going to get like 330 bucks a month, you know, so they're going to compare that. Um, okay, the study sounds similar to universal basic income programs where the government gives citizens no strings attached cash which have gotten attention in recent years from the Silicon Valley leaders, including Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and some Democratic presidential candidates. We just mentioned Andrew Yang. Okay. Um, so, you know, I don't know. You know, this is another example of, of somebody saying, okay, that UBI, I think, will be on the platform in 2020. Um, and you know, the idea of, you know, we've got to do something for the mothers. And if this, you know, and, and the idea that it's getting too expensive to raise a child, it's, it's without having to go to work. And then, you know, the U S is lagging the rest of the world in, you know, helping mothers who have to work and raising the kids. All right. Um, you know, and they actually even talk about, you know, a catch 22, you know, that the idea is at one time, you know, if you got child care, the cost of, 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 of the, you know, the, if, if <laughs> these child care facilities, it costs them a lot more if they have to take care of an infant, you know, one, two year old, than if they, ha- what it costs them to take care of a four or five year old. Okay. Um, you know, because you can't leave a, a two year old uh, out of your sight for a second, right? Um, so in the olden days, when, when the families had both the two-year-old and the four-year-old at the same facility, they could kind of prorate the cost over the two of them. But what kind of happened is, you know, the catch-22 is that 
you know, the country has gone to where, you know, sometimes the schools now we have, you know, pre-K programs, right? That they're, they're taking the three and four year olds out of the mix. So that means the ones that are still left at the child care are the one and two year olds. And now they can't defer the cost because there's no three or four year olds there. So now they're saying that's become a problem in this country. All right. Um, becoming a crisis in this country. All right. So, you know, these are some of the issues that this country is facing. And, you know, now the question is, how do they affect you? Well, certainly, you know, if you look at all these democratic socialist platforms, the the question that the, the, the other side always says is, how are we going to pay for it? Well, guess how they're going to pay for it. So, you know, again, tax dollars. So you've got to make your vote count. And, you know, and again, I think the problem is I don't think any of these uh, far out left ideas, it, you know, whether it be the, 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 you know, the Green New Deal or the universal basic income or the Medicare for all, you know, or free college or any of the other ones are really going to ever get done. You know, and, and I don't think Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax is going to get done. I, but what my what I'm concerned about is that enough millennial voters or enough voters believe these candidate you know, these candidates' promises and get them in power, and then other things start happening. So, so happy Mother's Day for everyone! If you want to contact us, you can always call the home office at four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. And if you want to give a good present to your mom, or if you're a mom out there and you want to, you know, get something for yourself, how about getting peace of mind that you're on track with a good written formal financial plan that shows you when you can retire, exactly how much you can spend on discretionary spending, and that you will always be financially independent. That's what we try to help our clients with. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.